start this thing sure sure all right let's start this thing hey listeners you're listening to a brand new super exciting episode of chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we are a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil i did it right this time recently watched we'll talk about that first which we're not gonna spoil and uh well we're gonna try not and we are not professional critics we don't claim to be. We're not going to try to be. No perpetrating here. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music, where you can buy it digitally. And say hello to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. Yes, they still have their Facebook. <laughs> it didn't get taken away. <laughs> and they're, you know, they might even still have, you know, a Twitter. <laughs> All right, guys. Um... Without any further ado, if someone wants to be no critics, but if if anyone wants to send us stuff, oh yeah, you could do that. I mean, then technically we would be some sort of professionals, but uh, taking bribes is not above us, right? So I should also mention that we are we're on Zoom. So if you get any robotic weirdness or things cutting out, that's all it is. It's just Zoom. It's normal. Um. Or barking. Barking. Bark, Normal <laughs> Zoom barking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's always barking. Uh, who wants to start Recently Watched? I think you do. Okay, I do. Um, okay. So, let's see. I, I pretty much have to put this on screen and uh, make reference to it. Just before losing uh, Hulu via someone else's password... <laughs> because they decided to cancel it. Uh, I'd watched a few things. One of them was a documentary about Grace Jones. I realized I've always thought she was very striking and very interesting, but I didn't know anything about her. So I decided to watch a documentary about Grace Jones. Yes, the musician, actor, um, interesting person. Uh, It's called Grace Jones, Bloodlight and Bami from 2017. I'll just read the uh, the blip on it here. It says, Larger than life, wild and scary and androgynous. Grace Jones plays all these parts, yet here we discover her as lover, daughter, mother, sister, and even grandmother. Um, she spends a bunch of time in Jamaica in this one, which is really interesting. And you see her backstage at some shows, and she kind of has to put the whole thing together herself sometimes because, you know, she's not trying to do... What, what's the best way to say it? Um, the production is mostly focused on her. She needs a bunch of musicians and some lighting and whatnot, but uh, a lot of it she has to handle it firsthand. And that was kind of cool. Like you see her on the phone having to yell at people and just like, <laughs> no, we can't work with this. We need the thing I asked you for and stuff like that. So um, seeing her in Jamaica sort of in... I don't know if, if they were in a poverty situation growing up, but it didn't look like anybody had any money to speak of now. And that's probably with her helping them out. So it was kind of weird. Uh, really neat, though. I, I enjoyed that one. She's uh, doing a concert next year. Uh, uh, where they're planning to do a big concert in Hyde Park. It's uh, her and Duran Duran. And yeah, there's a whole, a whole bunch of... Uh, people doing a oh, big look, show in Hyde Park. Would love to see that. Yeah. Oh, man. Concerts again. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Yeah. Somebody said something about, hope the last show you saw was a good one because you're not going to have one for quite a while. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah it's going to be months, right? Well, maybe years. Okay, I watched one on Shudder called Fingers. 
I don't know if either one of you. Ingus. Yeah, if either one of you saw the uh, uh, the preview on it or watched it, but it's from 2019, and it's uh, I think only the second movie this director has directed, but he's worked on a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Juan Ortiz. Uh, Jeremy Gardner is in this. Uh, our guy from uh, The Battery and Spring and that one I keep forgetting the name of. Uh, <laughs> but he's kind of uh, a main character in this one. After Midnight. That's the one I was trying to think of. Uh, where the monster is trying to come, come and get him. Yes, I know. you. <laughs> that was driving you crazy too. Uh, this one is... It promises to be really weird and it's really weird. Um, the tone of it is peculiar. The motivations of the characters are a little weird, uh, or you're uncertain what they are, but then the characters act pretty peculiar. Um, I'll read the blurb on this one. Amanda has an issue with other people's physical imperfections. Hell breaks loose when Walter, a coworker of hers, shows up with a pinky missing from his hand. And she really just kind of freaks out. I had a coworker do this one time when some girl walked into the art supply store with a big boa constrictor around her neck. <laughs> <laughs> one of our coworkers just like... Really? Yeah. Uh, he dove into the back room and uh, he's just like, dude, I'm serious. I'm really, really, really serious. Tell me when she leaves and don't let her get near me. I am completely terrified of snakes. And I was like, cool, man. I will stand right here. She will not get past me. There will be no snakes beyond this door. And uh, you know what? Let's be, let's be honest. People who carry around a snake in public are just starved for attention. <laughs> or they couldn't find a snake sitter. I don't know. But Maybe, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> uh, this one is weird, and I'm, I'm not really sure that I liked it. I liked it. Okay. I liked it, but I'm not really sure whether it was good. Um, I kind of want to watch it again. Jeremy Gardner does a great job. It's got the guy from the greasy strangler in it. The older guy. And, uh, uh, the description on shutter said something about how it was, a, it was like a bastard child of David Lynch and something else. And it's like, yeah, I could feel some David Lynch. influence. Oh, yeah. There was some influence for sure. Uh, it's it's from October of 2019, so it's relatively recent. It's, it's just that it's just that phrase, uh, uh, "bastard child of David Lynch," and uh, you know, dot dot dot. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, David yeah, Lynch we, and Doctor Who, or yeah, David, or anything. David you. Lynch and Axe. It's just right. it's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, let's let's retire that one. Yeah, please. <laughs> Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a perfect blend of Scooby-Doo and, uh, <laughs> Federico Fellini. I don't know what. <laughs> All right. I, I'd watch that. Right. Uh, again. Yeah. I know I liked it, but I'm not sure it was good. So I would want to look again. Certainly. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd watch Julietta Messina as Daphne yeah. <laughs> or, or Wil Wilma. She'd make a great Wilma. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Uh, and then, um, Jolien, you've mentioned this one, and I know you really liked it, and so did I. Gretel and Hansel. Oh, yeah. Now, this one is from Osgood Perkins, the son, yes. of, the son of Anthony Perkins. Um, man, one of us is going to have to pick this, because now it's, <laughs> now it's free on, uh, on uh, Prime, or included, I should say, on Prime. The, every frame is a painting. That, that old, mm -hmm. We can still say that, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it is a gorgeous movie. Yeah. And, and just strange, but without without being full of itself about being strange. Yeah, it's not the son of David Lynch and whatever. Right, right. Uh, this one, uh, the, the, the Alice Krieg as the witch. Yeah, perfect. Oh, man, she is. A, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> witches last week, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, well, she's not, uh, she, she does mix some herbs and some things, but she's, she's not, uh, 
dancing through the forest with uh, twigs in her hair, uh, waving a crystal around. She is a straight up uh, hag in the woods witch. So yep. this is great. Uh, Will, if you haven't watched this, you should. Okay. Um, so add that to your list that includes Bone Tomahawk and you're next. Okay, I'm going to write these down. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Gretel and Hansel, you're next, and Bone Tomahawk. Uh, you're next, huh? Yeah, that's the one that you thought was uh, Bloodlands. Which I realized when we were talking about it, I said Bloodland, uh, but it's Bloodlands, plural. Um, yeah. You're next. Bone Tomahawk. Bone. And Gretel and Hansel. So that's it for me, other than watching, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of the rewatch of Breaking Bad, but there's nothing new to report. It's still excellent, and I'm still really digging it. Um, it moves a lot faster than, than what I would have thought. Uh, uh, it, get, it gets to the next thing in the story. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't think that happened in this second or third season or whatever. So there's that. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Go for it, Will. Um, usual, still going through Deep Space Nine. A uh, lot of uh, a lot of B movie stars I'm picking out. Jeffrey Combs plays several aliens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he loves doing uh, that. Meg Foster turned up. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, Tony Todd turns up on occasion. Oh yeah. So uh, that's fun. Uh, hit a whole run of bummer episodes that were just like, you know, alternate dimensions or holodecks or, you know, dreams. Fucking don't write those stories, please. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Have it mean something. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else do we... Uh, well, today I uh, started watching a show called The Expanse. Uh, it's on Prime. It's really, really good um, so far. About five, six episodes in. Uh, in fact, I didn't get to finish this evening's movie, this episode's movie, because I spent too much time watching The Expanse and then uh, ran out of time before the uh, you know podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I watched a bunch of idiots take over the Capitol on Wednesday. That occupied a lot of time. I was not yeah. feeling well, but I, I kept watching, <laughs> not making me feel any better. Uh, and that's about it. I've been wasting time watching a lot of crap on YouTube. Like what kind of crap? Uh... I have a weakness for British nerds getting really upset over Star Wars <laughs> and publishing lengthy essays. Granted, they can't be uh, right wingy. I don't like when they, if they get a little right wingy and a little, you know, uh, oh, the SJWs, you know, women ruin Star Wars. I don't know. Like I'm sorry. That's bullshit. But if you're just genuinely upset and a nerd and you're a little posh in your attitude, <laughs> something about that, it's hilarious to me. <laughs> and occasionally they have a good point. Um, I feel like I've watched the, the last Star Wars movie about six times now, though, so probably mm. not going to watch any more of those. And then, uh, I don't know, just weird essays I come across, weird little videos that people put together uh, a lot of uh, retro stuff uh, like retro I don't know retro futurism they call it where it's uh, it's uh, past views of the future so yeah. they like the people of 1960s view of the year 2000 or the the people in the 1940s view of the 70s. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have, like, crazy things that 
you know, Walter Cronkite says by the year 2000, we'll be working 30 hours a week and have a month-long vacation. Huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they thought, uh, I noticed, they envisioned computers. This seemed to be very popular to envision computers, which right on, home computers even, but... Uh, separate screens for everything the computer could show you, like your newspaper, you know, your weather report would be the center screen, your work computer, you know, your, your work, basically. And then, you know, they thought we'd have cameras in the home to see all your rooms. And you have the, but it was always lots of screens. They didn't seem to think you could put more than one thing on a screen. They had television, though. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. strange. You think, oh, we could put more information on just, maybe it just shows off. They also liked lots of buttons and knobs. Uh-huh. And they had but it's a huge, huge leap from cathode ray technology to digital windows within a screen. Though. Oh, yeah. Um, True. And they had no idea about how much porn there would be. <laughs> like, no idea. Well, you didn't see that one CBS report Walter Cronkite put together, <laughs> Porn of the Future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Your, well, your grandkids kink. Your, your grandkids will be watching a lot of spitting, slapping, and choking. <laughs> <laughs> They're sick, sick people. <laughs> and that's why we have to destroy the planet. Right. Well, we're doing a damn good job of it, aren't we? <sighs> well, was that about it? I think that's about it. <laughs> Julian, try to top that. Oh, uh, oh yes. I'll, I'll raise the bar in tastefulness. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I watched, uh, uh, we're about two-thirds of the way through Alice in Borderland. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, people tune in for reviews like that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. That's really good. That's <laughs> really good. Uh, <laughs> collaborate. What do you think of it? Because I thought this show was was fantastic and almost too hard to watch. Yeah, they could have uh, just cruised on it being an action show where the same characters have to go through various challenges and some of them get killed off along the way. But like each episode, it kind of changes things. There's new factors come in and it, they have to adapt and survive. It's, uh, yeah. It's really yeah. Cause good. I was, I worried that each episode would be like, I really like the second episode. I'm not giving anything away, but they're in an apartment building and they have to go yeah. find a certain room. And uh, somebody in a mask is hunting them with a, a Mac 10 and mm -hmm. just, just shoots you and hide and seek kind of, or tag your head actually. But uh, I kind of thought like, oh, each episode will be this sort of, they're running and people are shooting and yeah, an action movie. But no, it, it changes it up enough and makes you have to, you know, think differently for each puzzle mm. and but that that was working for me. You know, for it had totally, been totally. It told <laughs> not not to not to discount that. Not to say that episode. That episode really hooked me. I mean, I really liked it from the start. I thought it was really strong from the start. But the second episode was like, damn, this show kicked it up to eleven. Yeah. And then the third episode, they get to twelve somehow, uh -huh. and they don't stop from there. Yeah, so, so uh, I think the last one we watched is where they get to, they get to that place where there's that gathering. I, I, I won't go into it because it would spoil it. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, finished watching uh, another Japanese series, uh, Henshin Ninja Arashi, uh, which is this period set version of Kamen Rider, and uh, so the final episode is uh, just great. <laughs> I can spoil it for you. Yeah. If Everybody dies. <laughs> so uh, Satan turns up on his flying saucer, oh. and his henchman from hell machine guns down this band of ninja and turns them into zo bloody zombies. And uh, they crucify the hero, uh, but he eventually breaks free, beheads Satan, 
and thereby saves his mother from going to hell. Wow. <laughs> wow, indeed. That's not a bad 20 minutes of TV. No. <laughs> <laughs> Satan in a flying saucer. Man, why did I never think of that? Yeah, and he's played by Eisei uh, Amamoto, who is this kind of John Carradine of 70s Japanese fantasies. It's like <laughs> emaciated, very cultured gentleman who uh, apparently he spent uh, most of his free time living in Portugal because he just liked the climate and the, the people and the culture. Sure. Wow. And uh, uh, and then he you know he'd, he'd play all these eccentric villain characters in uh, Japanese TV shows, movies in the seventies. Uh, <laughs> wow! Very, very distinctive guy. Uh, yeah. So I was uh, wondering what I was I'll watch next. Um, and I watched. Uh, oh, I finished reading the John Carpenter book um, by Troy Howarth. So I'm now I'm trying to catch up on the Carpenter adjacent stuff that gets mentioned. And one of the movies I've been uh, wanting to see for years and years uh, is called uh, Tag the Assassination Game. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of that one? No. It's, uh, so this is from 1982. This is the first movies which uh, uh, was about this. There's this game called Assassin, which gets played at campuses apparently to this day. Um, and it was, it was fairly new at the time. But... Uh, you get assignments of who your target's going to be and, uh, and then you stalk each other around the campus and uh, there's, there's various rules depending on where you are about uh, time restrictions and invasions of privacy <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> uh, so uh, you have this kind of disturbing sight of all these campuses with all the other students are acting normally, but uh, here and there there's a student walking around with a gun uh, and the gun is like a... a, a it shoots like rubber darts that you know that with this with the sticky yeah. cap on um but uh you know it's still disturbing sight um so uh uh so of course uh in the movie one of them get, goes a bit crazy and he starts using a real gun hmm. um so that this movie is uh, written directed by uh, nick castle really? who was the shape yeah. yeah and who still is the shape sometimes and uh uh, I think he does a cameo in it. I think I spotted him in the reception office. Uh, but this has got an amazing cast. Like this is the debut movie in it, and she's in the lead role, uh, Linda Hamilton. Really? And then uh, Robert Carradine is in it. He he he'd done loads of stuff before. Uh, so they're the two leads, and then uh, Bruce Abbott, who uh, was in Reanimator a few years later. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And he uh, he hooked up with uh, Linda Hamilton on this movie, and they got they got they were married for like uh, six, six years, I think. Oh wow! Uh, um, uh, Zander Berkeley is the first uh, victim you see in the movie. Uh, Christine de Bella's in it. She was in Meatballs. Uh, um, and if you look, uh, oh, Michael Winslow is, is in it. He's he's really obvious. He's like the uh, He's the guy who does all those sound effects with just yeah. his voice. Yeah, Police Academy. So after he was one, yeah, he was one of the regulars in Police Academy after this. But he's in this, he's in this gang, and he's he's playing this people. Is this is this kind of uh, live action role play thing? Mm-hmm. So uh, people are pretending like they're in film noir or in their or in a James Bond movie or something like that, and they they're acting like that all the time. So he's like this leader of this uh, mob gang and one of his bodyguards is played by Forrest Whitaker. He's just unrecognizable. I, wow. I like saw him in the credits and I thought, wow, that was Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's really goofy. It's kind of, it's got this like odd humor and it's got these like in jokes, like character named Carpenter. And there's another called Tommy Wallace. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and then the last twenty minutes or so, just straight up uh, stalker movie action. Uh, so L- Linda Hamilton versus this assassin. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was really fun. It's, and it's the uh, photographer is uh, Willie Carrant, who uh, he's done tons. He like worked with Orson Welles and um, Jean Luc Godard and. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's real curiosity. Um, so yeah, that was that was the uh, movie I watched. 
Wow, that's great. That's it. So um, I, I found the date of when we first talked about Coherence. It was a it was a double movie show where uh, Jolie and you had some time off for something you were working on. Might have been Gumby or something like that. I think on Creep Show in. Or was it that far ago? Yeah, it was. No, quite a while ago. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was January thirtieth, twenty eighteen. So, oh, okay. So you might have been working on Tales from the Crypt, or Gumby or something. But uh, yeah. So Will and I talked about House of the Devil, right. and Coherence. And uh, as I remember, Will wasn't a fan of House of the Devil at all. And, no. uh, and uh, we both agreed that we liked Coherence <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, now this one, Jolien, you, you picked this because it looked interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. this is one... I thought, I thought you'd like it because it said it was kind of Twilight Zone. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. It had a budget of only $50,000. Uh, it was shot in the writer-director's own living room and around his house. Uh I should also mention that they did make their money back. It box office was 102,600 and some change. Um, they, uh, the actors in this were mostly improvising and, uh, the, the story behind it is pretty interesting, but, uh, what I have to ask Jolien, what did you think? You chose this, uh, because you, you thought it, the description looked like it would be interesting and that we would dig it. what do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was- um, I probably won't see it uh, many more times um, because it's too ordinary looking. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nicely shot, but uh, you know, if you're into uh, if you watch films for the acting, then it's a, this is a great showcase of uh, a cast. Yeah, um, I guess a, a bigger question would be: Did it get did it get you going? as far as the conceit, you know, the, the whole premise of the thing, did it suck you into, to what they were trying to do? Uh, yes. It, it reminded me a lot of, uh, uh, various science fiction stories. I, I really like, uh, um, there's usually a middle-class group who suddenly find themselves in a really bizarre situation, like an invasion or, or something. Um, so John Wyndham is very good at that. And, uh, uh, John Limington is another British science fiction writer who did um, uh, he, he wrote a novel, novel called The Grey Ones and um, he did another one called Night the Big Heat which was which became in 67 um, and it reminded me of those uh, those Argentinian stories like uh, Letter Narta you know the one about um, came out in the late 50s it's uh, this comics series uh where there's these people in buenos aires and they they've gathered one evening and then uh, they notice it starts snowing outside and then uh and then everyone around them gets killed by this toxic snow oh wow i don't know and, that one uh, and yeah and you realize it's an invasion um uh, it reminded me of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers as well. You've got those people gathered at a home and then they, they realize that yeah. people around them aren't who they thought they were. And like, in fact, in, a, in this movie, uh, there's this woman talking about this incident in Finland and uh, she talks about people saying, uh, the man in my home is not my husband, which is pretty much a direct quote from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, right? wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's an HG Wells did it sometimes like a stories like in the days of the comet um, you know obviously they got the comet as the omen of doom mm-hmm. I mean uh, that goes way back you can see it on the Bayou Tapestry there's a comet on that yeah um, so yeah and, uh, yeah, I love this kind of setup yeah so uh, yeah I did a really good job yeah yeah, we had uh, the writer director was James Ward um, Burkett or Burkett. Uh, uh, it story by is another credit that that uh, has Burkett and Alex Manugian. So I'm not sure what you know. He had some input on the story, I guess. But the development for this basically happened that 
Burkett uh, came up with the idea that he wanted to shoot without a crew and without an actual script. So he chose to shoot in his own home and uh, he figured probably the easiest uh, subgenre or genre would be, well, the genre of science fiction, but the subgenre of this sort of weird, peculiar, uh, a comet changes everything, the dimension gets split or whatever you want to call it. I always refer to this as a dimensional split sci-fi movie. And he had to, uh, he had to work with actors who could handle improvisation. So that's why he chose who he chose. And I thought they did a really good job because he would give them a, a basic outline of their motivations and, and what the plot points were and just wind them up and let them go. And they improvised most of their own dialogue. I think he would give them a few lines he wanted them to say, but essentially it's like, yeah, you know, say what you think your character would say. And I thought that was really cool. So he did make charts and diagrams of like all the different houses, the different realities where this house would be. And yes. he drew arrows and <laughs> made notes and all this stuff. <clears throat> and for listeners who may or may not have heard, uh, when Will talk, Will and I talked about it, there, a better one to listen to uh, would be when I interviewed Nicholas Brendan, who was one of the stars of this. And I asked him some questions about it and he gave some input uh, about that. But uh, yeah, the movie's super interesting. Um, it cuts to black at all of these specific points in time, but the director doesn't explain. He says they signify something, but he's never said what it is they signify. And I was like, are they prime numbers? Yeah. What, what are they? I don't know. But uh, anyway, there's... There's that, um, and you get some little uh, clues as to whether somebody is part of the house that they're in, uh, part of the group that was originally in that house. So there's like the color of the glow stick they have, or their unawareness or awareness of, of certain events that have happened or are about to happen. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Will, how did this, uh, you, you didn't get to see the whole thing this time, but you watched it before. How was the rewatch as far as you did get into it? I watched the wrong movie. What? Yeah, I thought we were watching the, uh, I thought you had said Coherence, but then I got an email from Jolien that said, I thought he would pick Corruption. Oh, really? Which I took to be the Corruption of Chris Miller. But maybe I read the email wrong. So I watched that on YouTube on a hot, horrible quality video. Um, was I didn't get to finish it. Uh, but Coherence, pretty ballsy move to, to decide to make a film without a script or a crew. <laughs> right. <laughs> the director's like, I've worked on enough movies. I can handle this. I don't, I don't need a script or a crew or anything. I'm just going to make a movie. Yeah. And... He uh, he also didn't tell the actors everything. He they were kind yeah of, <laughs> they were kind of in the dark about a lot of this stuff. He just kind and, of and we're gonna just improvise. Yeah, I'll give you pointers. But... Yeah, they 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 shot the thing over a five day period, uh, shooting mostly at night. <clears throat> yeah, and... <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I really like it if uh, if if uh, actors can pull off improvising like that you know and uh, and you can keep a story together yeah i like i like i like you all agree you're not gonna go off way off uh script there yeah so to speak you have to yes and a lot because it's improvisation <laughs> yeah i did like that nicholas brendan's character um he's talking about how Oh, everybody just blame everything on the comet. And and I remember when you and I talked about it, Will, I said something about how everyone does that with the altitude here in Denver. You know, they yeah. they start mm. start blaming everything on the altitude. <laughs> yeah. Car won't start must be the altitude. Anyway. Um <laughs> car won't start must be the altitude. <laughs> yeah. Gar's too thin. Yep. I got drunk and blew all my money at a poker game. Fucking altitude, man. Altitude. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the funny things, and um, 
in filming was that when they were doing some of the sh- some of the scenes outside of the house, because most of it was inside the house, uh, when they were outside where the cars were just on the street, uh, they weren't expecting this, but someone else was shooting a movie on their street, and it was really like super lit up with tons of lights. And then another team, oh. he said another team was shooting a Snickers commercial. <laughs> <laughs> So that was pretty funny. I guess they it startled the entire cast that somebody, like a production assistant or somebody, came to like knock on the door to ask them to stay inside while they shot a scene or something. But I guess the knock at the door scared the hell out of the whole cast. Wow. Yeah. They should have tried to work that into the movie. That would have been great. Like, I'm sure... Maybe they, they did. Yeah, maybe some of the reactions... Maybe were, they did. There's... there's... There's a couple of scenes like that where someone knocks the door. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always crazy. Yeah, they may have. It's always crazy in a time travel movie when you have characters who are aware, who come up against characters who are unaware, and then as the movie goes on, they start to become suspicious or start putting together the clues. And there's no Mm -hmm. real difference between dimensional split doppelganger movie and time travel because it's the same thing. It's the same kind of stuff happens. So I really liked how they, there's a scene where they do the, the expedition. There's a scene where they do the expedition and uh, they see themselves across the street. And yeah. it's like a Shaun of the dead where they, <laughs> <laughs> they run into the doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of comical really. Uh, one of the, yeah, one of the things that, and I don't know if I mentioned this when Will and I talked about the movie, but I remember listening to Coast to Coast AM or Dark Matter or one of the Art Bell shows years and years ago, where somebody was talking about artificial intelligence and organic artificial intelligence and cloning. They were talking about all of this crazy science stuff. And one of, one of the things they said really stuck with me was that if you ever ran into your clone or your doppelganger, there would be a human instinct to kill them because they are the fake you. And I don't know that I agree, but it sure does happen in the movies a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, it. It at least happens in movies, but in real life, I don't know. Yeah, that's one. Of the, that's one of the threads in the movies. They they think uh, they they start off assuming that they're the good ones, and then they think that cause this is when they only think there's one other dimension, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so they say, uh, <clears throat> "What if the other ones are the bad ones?" And they decide that they're going to come and get us, and then they start thinking, "But what if we're the bad ones?" And they start thinking we should kill off the other ones before they think that we're the bad ones and kill us off. (laughs) They start crossing all these ethical boundaries uh, just because they got doppelgangers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's like there's no, uh, there's no doctor who sense of optimism. There's no like sense of wonder at it. It's like, uh, Oh, we're in trouble. You know, there's just the, yeah. There's this other that suddenly appears and, uh, you know, it's instantly a threat. There's just, there's no question of it being uh, something that's just going to blow over and or it's something that's, that's well, going to be And not, not just that, but them. not even just waiting to yes. see if it's a threat. It's just, we've got to get right. them first. Right. So well, Yes. Well, uh, the characters are Americans. So you, yeah. <laughs> so you, you can't compare the logic to Doctor Who. They're English. Hey, you can't just stay in and stay in and drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the kind of people we hang out with probably would, but uh, yeah, these, these jerks, it's another story. We can drink and get them at the same time. Let's get, let's get drunk and go kill them. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you guys have trouble keeping track of so, what was what after a while? <laughs> oh yeah. And that was deliberate. Yeah. They, they were trying to keep sure, you did. Yeah, I didn't worry about that. It, uh, I, I didn't worry about that. 
I knew there's always there's going to be multiples and multiples going on out there, but it it didn't affect the plot. It didn't affect how no, you understood no. the plot. Right. Yeah, and the more the more they tried to keep track inside the movie <clears throat> with their numbering the pictures and putting objects inside of a box, uh, the the less it, it seemed to work. <laughs> like the harder they tried. Yeah. <laughs> but that right. that. That um, moment where they wrote the note and then they opened the door and the note they wrote is already on their own door. Yeah. <laughs> that, That's good. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was a good little gimmick. Oh, another bit of uh, bit that, that got to me was um, there's, this, there's this bookcase in the living room and usually it's out of focus, but sometimes you can make out what the books are. Yeah. And I started to notice that several of the books on the shelf are exactly the same edition as the books that I have. (laughs) They have this like New Yorker book of cartoons, uh, the Riverside Shakespeare, uh, one of their books about Wonder Woman. They're exactly the same edition as the, uh, the books that I have. That was a bit spooky. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it is strange Uh, when you recognize. Go ahead. Uh, so the character of Joe, the Nicholas character, yeah. Uh, so he's he's playing an actor who used to be on a show called Roswell, right? So how did you think that that played in, into it? I thought that was pretty funny because, um, yeah, there was there was no uh, such character in Roswell. I never watched the show, but I looked it up just to be sure. And uh, yeah, there was never any such character in Roswell. And Nicholas Brendan was never in Roswell. Uh, but I was kind of wondering, like, why were why did we mention Roswell? What, were we talking about alien invasions? You know, I, I did wonder if there was supposed to be some tip of the hat by mentioning Roswell, the TV show, to get us to thinking about Roswell, New Mexico, 1947, July 7th. <laughs> to be specific. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good thought. <laughs> yeah. They're, I'm not sure that that occurred to me uh, when I watched this. Yeah, it is interesting. <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, Jolie, and back to what you were saying about the books, it is really weird when you see something that you own in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> It happens once in a while that it'll be like yeah. art by an artist that you that you also have something from, or uh, a toy or a book or something that you also own. You know, it's it is it is kind of odd. Well, not last week's movie, but the the movie before, uh, one of the movies, uh, Demonoid. Uh, the characters in the beginning of the movie each drive a Volkswagen thing. Oh. Hers being the wife's being pink. And the husband's being orange, and my parents owned an orange thing. And uh, then right after that, the movie moves to Las Vegas. Uh, the movie, was, I learned later, it was filmed earlier and set on the shelf for like six years. But I was thinking it came out in 1980, so it was filmed in 1979, 1980. And my parents and I lived there in Las Vegas at that time. Oh, man. In an orange thing. <laughs> Oh my God! And you, wow. do you know how much those damn things are worth now? Oh, I imagine it was a it was a good little car. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, my dad could fix anything on it. Everything came apart easily. Take the doors off, the windows, the windshield, everything. It, it was a it was a fun little car. It sounded <laughs> like a oversized lawnmower. Oh yeah, yeah. They were. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Did you? Did you notice one of the cars in the uh, Demonoid, the number plate was evil? Oh, no, I missed that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Will, you could get a 74 and it's orange if you go to Hemmings Motor News. Um, someone in Costa Mesa, California is selling a 1974 orange Volkswagen thing for $32,995. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, I believe that was the year of my parents was the 74 thing. 
Yeah, they didn't make them for very many years. I don't know much no. about them, but I do know that they were odd-looking, angular little cars. And, uh, yeah. Old. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, no insulation in, in those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, it was expected that you could take care of your needs with uh, just the heat coming off the motor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You could open the vent, and it might let some of the air out towards your face. But <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it was crazy. a miserable car in the winter. I bet. <laughs> Thankfully, we lived in New Mexico, so it wasn't so bad. But if you you couldn't live in Colorado with that, you uh, only be able to use it in the summer. I think you need to retell this because, again, not all of our listeners have listened to every episode. The time that the windshield frosted over and you and your cousin were driving, uh, you should need to tell that one. Oh, that was a different car. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, just the fact that you were in New Mexico. Oh, driving a car. That's the length you're going with there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, We were driving down the road and the... The, uh, is this the story where the hood flew up and, <laughs> and smashed the windshield? <laughs> no. And we couldn't see where we were going? No, this is the one where the windshield was frosted over. And you guys got pulled over. Oh, the, <laughs> the cops were following us? Yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't scrape the windows. So we drove around very slowly, these snowy covered blocks, because it doesn't snow in New Mexico, so nobody knows what to do. We're going very slowly, looking through a little tiny peephole while a cop followed us till we got to a stop sign, and then my cousin's car died. <laughs> the <laughs> cop just sat behind us for like five minutes while my cousin tried to get his car going, and then he just pulled around us and laughed. Yeah, I think the way you des- <laughs> the way you described it was he scraped a view hole about the size of a dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> not safe at all didn't do any of the other windows <laughs> just the windshield just the windshield it's like driving a tank just looking through the little view hole <laughs> i can see enough yeah oh i love it it's only a few blocks to school anyway yeah yeah so uh now we get to get back into the movie. So we get some plot twists where not all of these doppelgangers are identical in their experiences or their demeanors or dealings and doings. And we find out that one set of the friends, the eight friends, uh, there was an affair that happened and Mm -hmm. the other group of friends get a whiff of this problem and, uh, start to freak out a little bit. And I want to say that's not the only thing. There were a few things. There was something about the, uh, uh, the Kevin and Emily couple about going on a trip to Vietnam. I think like she didn't want to go and she wanted to break up with him. That was the, I think the feeling yeah. that was the feeling of the main group. I, th- I think what it was saying to me was, uh, you have this lorry character is brought in and before she even turns up, the other women are like, Oh, she's always wearing these super sexy dresses and so on. And, uh, she's, she's like a bad influence. Uh, she's not very welcome in the group yeah. as far as the women are concerned. And then she turns up and she's asking all these awkward questions at the dinner table. And, uh, she's like revealing all these upset lives and, uh, uh, directions that other people's lives have had to go in and, things they regret not having done. So you have this idea of like in our normal one dimension, we have all these potential uh, directions we could have gone in, which we haven't. Uh, So, you know, that that, uh, plays into that idea of quantum realities of uh, if we had made a different choice back then, we would have been with this person. We would have been doing this career. Um, so you have all these characters like who who could have uh, continued in acting on TV, or uh, they they might still be an alcoholic or, or whatever. Um, uh, and and she's like the most obvious uh, 
you know, she she brings up a lot of that at the at the initial party, and then she's uh, she's trying to hook up with this ex boyfriend of hers, and um, and uh, he wants to go off to Vietnam and take M with him, and, and uh, she in the reality we start with she doesn't go, um, but uh, it's an example of someone wanting someone else to diverge from their own path in order to uh, satisfy their own needs. So he wants her to give up whatever she's doing and go to Vietnam. Right. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was uh, an interesting parallel. It, it's not just a science fiction concept. You know, it's, we make choices every day that uh, make us diverge from uh, a course. Sure. Or a previous reality. <clears throat> yeah, and we could end up with uh, Biff Tannen as president. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, wait, we did that already. <laughs> so, yeah, that, this is this is the kind of thing with uh, with sci-fi that that oh, time time crimes is another one that does a lot of this, where you are not sure what these other people are up to, but small choices are being made or big choices are being made and it either splits off and makes another dimension, another parallel universe, if you will, or, um, or you're blithely unaware of it. <clears throat> and these folks, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, a this, this movie kind of played like a white version of us. It's like, there's a, everyone in this movie is white and, uh, and they encounter all these other dimensions, but it, in us, you have uh, a black family, and you, but you also have a white family, and then both of them are unaware that there's this other dimension. Uh, and in, in, in us, it's this underground uh, dimension, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that they're suddenly made aware of. Yeah, yeah. The awareness kind of unfolds in weird ways in this one, and. I got to say it was intriguing. It did feel like a different take. And uh, the movie Primer or Primer, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, was mentioned somewhere. And I, and I could probably scroll to it here. But uh, uh, it was a it was a bit of inspiration to Burkett for making the movie. But uh, he he didn't really want to focus on that. You know, he, he didn't really want to get into, like, all these people have to know all this stuff about specific science. He's just like, they get a clue from a book, and that's about all they get. You know, they're not, like, in, in a Primer, it's two scientists who have stumbled upon time travel. And then they decide to go get some winning lottery numbers and make some money while doing this. But it turns out every time they do that, they leave a copy of themselves behind. <clears throat> and so it does get into uh, a doppelganger situation as well. And they do become very suspicious of their doppelgangers and start spying on them and f- trying to figure out what they're doing. And it turns out, no, idiot, that's you. Uh, you caused them. And now you're suspiciously spying on them. You morons. <laughs> but by the time they figure it out, they're, I think, trying to stop the other guys from doing whatever suspicious thing it is they're going to do. And I think they decide to kill them. I don't remember for sure. It's been a long time since I've watched that one. I do recommend it, though. It's another very low-budget movie that does some more of this crazy stuff that uh, we enjoy so well as sci-fi. But, yeah, man, it's... It, it did have a little bit of inspiration on this. I think that was the opposite of coherence in that they really worked on a script. Yeah, I think you're right. And got, you know, the, it's a time travel movie that uh, I'm not sure has any holes in it. Mm. All the time travel basically makes sense if you accept the, you know concept of time travel that there's no plot holes or at least no obvious ones. yeah uh been a long time since i've watched primer either but uh 
I watched it a couple times. I don't remember seeing anything. I don't you, remember seeing anything. You're, you're good at catching plot holes, though, so... <laughs> yeah, so... And time travel movies, are they almost set themselves up for you to, to try to find plot holes because of the concept is... It's tricky. It's really tricky because we're not used to thinking of time any other way than, you know, past to future. Yeah, linear. Uh, linear in one way. Uh, you know, when you start moving around and, uh, you know, and then you get into the concept of does the past affect the future? Could you travel back to the past to change the past? Because then you've changed the future, you know. It, uh, it's a big headache, but... <laughs> Do you think Kramer's one that I don't remember seeing a plot hole that was obvious anyway. Right. There may be one in there that's that's a minor hang up that so minor I didn't notice it. But I, I purposely watched it the second time looking for some sort of little hole, also trying to understand it a little better. It's one of those movies that just dumps you in uh, and you have to kind of figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how they, you know, we're on the ride with them. We're not scientists like they are, but they do just go, hey, this is really weird. Check this out. Wow, there's no way this could have done, done that without having sat there for, you know, months or weeks or whatever. And they're like, yeah, damn. And then they sort of, it washes over them. We just discovered to send this thing in, it was an egg. We, we accidentally sent it into the future and brought it back. Yeah. Weird. So I got to say most of them with the big budgets and all the crazy special effects don't do nearly as good a job as, as, <clears throat> as Primer. No, by any means. And it's, it's on a very, very short list of the ones I think nail it. And there's other ones I think are great fun, but do have the plot holes. And, yeah. And this one I, I kind of included on the same sort of list even though it's not time travel, it's dimensional split uh, because of a comet. Okay, <laughs> whatever. It's still, you get the same effect, you know, the same mm -hmm. results. So it's, it, it falls into the time travel category, sort of, or it's an also for me. I don't yeah. Know. Um, Jolien, what's your favorite time travel movie of all time? If you, if you, uh, oh boy, <laughs> uh, well, probably the Time Machine, nineteen sixty. Okay, yeah. Um, there's another recent one. Is an anime called uh, Your Name, which also involves a comet and uh, different time periods. Hmm. Uh, um, beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, uh, je t'aime, je t'aime. Uh, Alan René film. Uh, La Jetie, which is a short film, and it's yeah. mostly composed of still shots. Mm. Uh -huh. uh, Terry Gilliam did, uh, was it 12 Monkeys, is the feature length yeah. expansion yeah. of it, but yep. uh, La Jetie is like really good. It's only 20 minutes for so long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that, on Prime that, for a while, so. Right. Those are the ones that spring to mind when I think of favorite time machine movies. Yeah. Time travel. Yeah. You mentioned uh, one of mine, 12 monkeys. Um, I have to rewatch time crimes. I know I really enjoyed it. And uh, back to the future part two. Mm. <laughs> part two. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. It's so fun. So back to the futures in the past now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Most of our futuristic movies are now, which is crazy. Yeah. How about you, Will? What, what are some of your favorites? Uh, Did we just mention all well, of them? I think we've picked all of them. Are there <laughs> many more to pick? Uh, trying to think if there's something obscure. Did you ever end up watching Looper? That was a fairly recent one. No, oh, I yeah. never watched Looper. Yeah, I saw that one. I don't remember much of it. Yeah. That's the, where they go back to kill people who are going to commit crimes back in their time. Yeah. 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 Uh, time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> time Cop. <laughs> time Cop. That's my number one pick. 
And uh, that also had no plot holes in it. <laughs> I bet I'm it did. Sure. <laughs> I well, saw uh, that in the theater. Yeah, so did I in Japan. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I finished watching it, and two hours had gone by. Oh, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, there's a scene in that where uh, it cuts suddenly to a fully nude woman writhing around on a bed. Uh, kind of a sudden cut, and then you find out, oh, it's a guy's got virtual reality goggles on. I was on a first date for that. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, and, and they hang on that woman for a little too long, uh-huh. and it got more and more uncomfortable. It's like, did they change reels on us? What is this? <laughs> right? I remember watching that, and uh, if they pulled off him meeting himself and having a fight, and they could have pulled that off well, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But they never did it. No. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised they didn't make use of Nicholas. Nicholas Brendan is a twin. He has a, an identical twin brother named Kelly. Yes, he's in. He's in. Uh, it, when they show the scene where she looks in the house and he's tied up next to himself. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. I that's, that's his twin. Yeah, they should have made more use of him. Like there should there should have been like a a drawn out fight or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's yeah. yeah. There's a couple of the. Uh, couple of the realities he turns up you see two of him yeah oh. <clears throat> yeah they are they are very identical identical twins um well before we start to wrap it up is there anything else about it that you guys want to say um I, I know will you probably remember less of it from having not watched it for three years but uh would you watch it again i guess that's yeah i'd point. watch it again okay cool um I remember it being pretty good um, in both the sense of the story and the, uh, if you're like me, I, I'm also interested in kind of how movies are put together. So it's sort of interesting to watch it in a, uh, I guess, a technical sort of way. Yeah. Uh, you know, art of film sort of way. Right, right. Um, anything else you want to mention about it, Julian? Uh, yeah, I'd watch it again. Um, there's, uh, yeah, as, as you say, it's like very well filmed and, and edited. Yeah. Um, is, is, so can we say that there's enough, especially with the end part where the woman, and I guess it's worth mentioning how it, how one of the characters wraps up is she goes to find one of the houses where herself is happy and everything's going well. And yes. then take that self out and replace her. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that that bit of skullduggery and uh, attempted murder. Um, does that and some of the other weirdness give it enough horror element to where we could even put this in the genre of horror? It's got some great scary moments, but I wouldn't say it's horror now. Yeah, I, I I don't put it in the horror in the horror column either, but it's a good go with. And uh, do you recommend it? Yes. Okay. And uh, Will, you recommend it? Sure. Me too. <laughs> well, it's unanimous. It's unanimous. All right. Put, put it in laurel leaves. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, a great, like, uh, if uh, David Lynch in the holodeck had a baby. Oh, yay. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. Inside virtual reality. It's all, yeah, we should, we should outro with that Jamiroquai song, <laughs> Virtual Insanity. <laughs> uh, oh. I know I'm getting old when I mention that at work and uh, a coworker. Oh, no, he, he, uh, he, he was um, on social media last week because uh, there was some guy wearing a fuzzy hat at, at the Capitol last week. And Jamiroquai had to speak up and say, no, that is not, in fact, me. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I think, Jolien, uh, you picked this one. Yes. Uh, so, Will, I believe you pick next. Okay. Do you have anything in mind? I'd like to watch Extro, because I've never seen it. Oh. Extro? How's that spelled? <laughs> 
I'm gonna oh have to boy. look to see if it's on YouTube. It's not on Prime, unfortunately. Is it okay? Is it spelled the letter X dash T R O, or just yeah. X T R O? Well, I don't know if there's a dash, but X T R O, I believe. All right. Yes. If it's impossible to find, then I guess we'll uh, go from there. But yeah, if I can't find it, I'll, I'll pick something else. But, okay. Uh, Extra. Can you tell us anything about it, or would that be ruining it? It's an alien movie. It's oh. a British alien movie. Oh. A British alien movie. Wait, yeah. do you mean it's a movie about aliens made by British people, or is it a movie about yes. aliens who are British? Yeah. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Well, shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap it sure. up. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. Although I suppose time bananas would be appropriate. 